and welcome back to another episode of the Hero Ball Podcast. I'm Richard Davidson, and I am joined by my good buddies, Ethan Huff and Malcolm Beltry. Now, guys, it's been a while. I am back. I've, I've been... We've struggled to connect. We've struggled to, you know, to, to hit the outlet pass and to push it forward and to find the opportunity in the corner. We've, we've struggled to actually make that happen, but guys, we're back doing it again today. Yes, sir. It's good to be back. Good to run a three-man weave. I know Richard, school's been... Uh... It's not treating you well working as a teacher, but I've, I've been doing good though. I've been enjoying, enjoying my life, being able to connect with Ethan on Sundays, but it's nice to finally get the three-man pod going again. Yes, indeed. Getting it all together. And I anticipate being back more regularly here as the schedules shift and change and stuff. But today, because all three of us are on, and I mean, really, it's just Elkin and I are finding ourselves on the podcast at the same time. And who knows, you know, that'll happen this week, next week, whenever. We're going to do the Central Division. Talk about our teams. And I look forward to it. It'll be great. But we're not starting there because when we are, you know, doing these previews, doing these outlooks, start at the top. Start with the teams that are projected to do the best. And I'm sorry, Alkin, that's not our teams necessarily. The number one team we're going to talk about is your world champion, Milwaukee Bucks last year, 46-26, went in, survived a toe on the line, and took the championship home with a Giannis Antetokounmpo 50-piece in the closeout game. Guys, their over-under is 54.5 wins this year. How are we feeling about this team uh, overall? I know I'm feeling pretty good about this team. They pretty much run it back with the same cast. I know when P.J. Tucker is out, but... I think they're going to be fine. I mean, P.J. Tucker, I don't know if this bothered anyone, but it bothered me when they called him, like, some people call him the Durant stopper. Only guy could be a Durant. But a lot of those games, Durant literally was just torching everyone and torching P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker had, like, one good possession. But he had his value, I guess, to the Bucks. Uh, I mean, I think you bring in Semi Ojale, though, to kind of replace him. Uh, I don't know. But I feel good about this team, and I feel like they're going to come back hungry. Giannis, I feel like, is... I like his development. As like the playoffs kept going on, it felt like he kind of figured more of what he can do on the basketball court. And I love it. And I feel like he still has a lot more left to improve. And that's scary if he's still figuring out. Because I think Giannis is only 26, right? If I remember correctly. So he's like, he's he's barely entering the prime of his career. So I think this team is in good standing. And let's be honest, as much as I want the Pacers to win this division, oh, the Bucks are probably going to win it. Ugh, kills me to see that. Yeah, the Bucks are winning this. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I, I, Ethan, what 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 are your thoughts with this with this team? Well, I think it's just important to, to note that with the exit of PJ Tucker, that is a big burden. Like, I mean, at the end of the day, he is a positive shooter. He doesn't shoot a lot, so he maybe like the willingness to shoot that can still be a hindrance to like the overall team success. But other than that, they bring back the same cast of characters plus a Dante Divincenzo as a, you know, I'd say an important guard in their rotation. Rodney Hood, if he's healthy, that's a guy who can get his own bucket a little bit, kind of ease the, the stressors of a regular season. And even Grayson Allen, while I think Memphis fans are happy to see him go so more DeAnthony Melton and Desmond Bain can see the court, Grayson Allen wasn't an effective NBA player last year. Is he the best? Obviously not. But you're adding him to play with Giannis, who even in his, you know, whatever passing state you want to credit him with, he's he's – would be the best player on the Grizzlies as well. He's bringing the whole layer up 
more so than a John Morant even does. So, like, we know that it's just, like, they're adding talent. Like, I would say they're still a, a, a likely buyout destination for any vet that is, uh, you know, on on his way out, you know, expiring contracts and stuff. And I don't think they're, that they're asset poor in the grand scheme of things. And they gave up a lot for Drew Holiday. But if we're talking about marginal moves, like to grab another P.J. T- Tucker light, I mean, I think they have the ability to do that. But I like I like their depth with George Hill, Grayson Allen, Hood, Nora as a shooter, and Bobby Porras as backup center. Like they're pretty stocked everywhere, other than backing up Giannis. Which you know what, the guy should play 40 minutes a game come playoff time. I'm not too stressed about that either. So with the PJ Tucker exit, so like PJ Tucker shot 32 percent from three in the playoffs. Uh, and on like two and a half attempts per game. So like offensively, he really wasn't doing much. He was standing in the corner. Semi can stand in the corner as well. Like that that's nothing. I don't know if he'll necessarily have tons of gravity, but I don't I don't necessarily know that PJ Tucker really had any at the end. And it, when it comes to teams like the Bucks, I think it I think you're allowed to nitpick a little bit. I nitpick the Lakers all the time because guess what? It doesn't matter what they do in the regular season. It matters what's going on in June, right? We'll have the same kind of discussion with the Brooklyn Nets where it matters what happens with them because we're talking about teams that have a legitimate shot at the title. And out of the East, Milwaukee is, is I would say, consensus is Brooklyn and Milwaukee, right? But these are the two teams you would anticipate matching up in the Eastern Conference Finals, vying for that uh, finals berth here you know, as, as the Milwaukee Bucks try to defend their title. And going to semi Ojale, I don't know if that really does it. And that, I, don't know, I don't think that really works super well. DiVincenzo was, was a big absence that I, I think, man, him coming back and being able to fit in there just gives them more opportunities defensively against a team like the Brooklyn Nets. Like, that was one thing where, like, they when he went down, it's like, oh, they had no shot to defend the guy to defend the Brooklyn Nets guys until they went down. Um, Grayson Allen gives you just another another body there too. I, I was surprised that they went out and I thought when they let Peter Tucker go, they were just gonna you know not spend money, but they did, and they went in and got a few more guys. It, it still feels like they they need someone, and as you mentioned, perhaps the buyout market can be the place where that happens. Yeah, keep in mind, they traded for P.J. Tucker last year. So, again, they're not opposed to making moves. But you you also sent away, like, all of your picks. Like, that move was, they got so lucky, the fact that the, the Rockets, like, had their pick involved in, 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 so, like, that they were able to just do some slight tweaks to actually make that go. Like, they're, they're pretty asset poor, is, is, is the point. I think that they're willing to. I think, you know, you might have something a, a future first round pick that gets unlocked way 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 later but you don't have many picks to trade is is the point yeah i'm not i'm not stressing the buck situation i think they're still plenty good i think the adding of divincenzo and grace Allen as like little pieces for that playoff roster especially when you're talking about Giannis, um like taking so many of those power forward and even center minutes like you're adding a rodney hood as well i think i think they got a lot more minutes eaters and i feel really good about this team regular season and postseason still obviously yeah i feel like the over under is pretty good though like this is a team that 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 can smack around like the pistons are going to get beat every time they play this bucks team just because but at the same time like do you think that they 
saw how things went last year where they were working on their, you know, experimenting different styles of defense and they might try some different things that might not totally breed regular season success, but the hope is that it might lead to more playoff success. Do you think that that could happen? That's what, that's what I, that's what I think may slide in here, which is why I think it's a good line. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that this team knows what it takes to win. If they're just looking for more tools for their tool belt to, you know, make a fin- like if they're going to work on a little bit on some zone defense this year, because last year they started working with switching more. Just adding adding little tools here to get through a through a series is is the stuff. I mean, I'm just saying about playing the Heat, right? The Heat don't have a lot of def- wings, but their, their Heat's defense should be really good this season. If they're pros- posing a threat to beat a team like the Bucks in the postseason again, they they might ro- want to rock out a, a zone defense and make Jimmy Butler a shooter, right? Like, I'm just saying, like, there might be one more thing to unlock for their postseason success that will come at a little bit of a the, – the regular season will be the victim because it won't matter at the end of the day. Anything else with this team, Elkin? No, nah, I think you guys said everything that needed to be said about them. Then you lead us into the next team. Uh, next team is the Indiana Pacers, who went 34 and 38 last year. Over-under for this season happens to be tied with another team – in this division, we got 42 and a half. So we're looking at a team that's barely going to be over 500. That's essentially what what we got going on. But they bring back, I mean, this team felt pretty much the only main signing they did was like Tory Craig. Everything else has kind of just been, let's run back everyone, bring in some draft picks. So you still got Brogdon. You got Karis LeVert injured, TJ Warren still injured, Sabonis, Miles Turner, you got Goga, drafted Isaiah Jackson, you got Brissett, who came along pretty well, I'll say that, Justin Holiday, and then you got, you drafted Dorothy, Jeremy Lamb, who, after he came back from his big injury, is he still recovering, I don't know what to make of him, you re-signed TJ McConnell, and then we randomly signed to a training camp deal, one Brad Wanamaker. So I'm interested in that, I just look at this team, guys. We got a lot of we got a few characters, a few guys recovering from injury, and then their front court, their big men is especially it is loaded. When I look at their guys like six ten and above, we are just loaded with that amount of size, which almost makes me think like I do think that this is a year where the Sabonis Turner experiment comes to an end. I'm gonna be honest, I love both of those guys, but I feel like this is the year that they're doing that. I feel like the Pacers for me, them getting Isaiah Jackson is almost like that insurance piece where they're like, I think we're ready. And, and I feel like at the point where they're in the careers, I feel like Miles Turner is the one who's probably going to be dangled around in a few trade scenarios. And that that's how I view it. But this is a team where I see still going to be like 7-8 seed play-in team. Like I don't have confidence in this team being like a fourth or fifth seed like it was just like a few years ago, a couple of years ago. And I just feel like this team is kind of just another ho-hum Pacers team where we're not going to get a high draft pick, but we're not going to be, we're going to be just barely in the playoff run and in some random Ben Simmons trade rumors. And that's going to be the story of the year. I think I agree overall with, with, with the sentiment. I mean, I don't think you're a top six team, like just looking and counting. It's like, okay, well, you know, Brooklyn and Milwaukee, we can easily put above. You probably can put, you know the yeah Atlanta Hawks up there, Boston. I think we're we're in range with Boston, depending on how things go with it. You know with injury, but you know, maybe they're okay. The Knicks, 
I think with with the way that they've tried to reload, I think they're there. Unless things go awful in Philly, like I think they're there above you too. And so we're starting to get to, yeah, you're really kind of a play-in type of team. Because like even what me and Ethan talked about, like even Miami, who might not be going all out in the, I know I was the first one to bring up Miami Heat. Funny how that works. Uh, who they might not go all out in regular season, but that's a team that I even can see the pitches being behind. And then by then, you're right, we're talking about playing. And that doesn't include if you have a team like the Hornets, who could just come out of nowhere and be like, all right, everything gels correctly. We're just going to get into the playoffs. That doesn't include that. But I, Richard, you kind of said that that's where you're leaning towards, kind of just like fighting, fighting for a playoff spot team, not really going to wow anyone. Do you see the season going any differently? You're kind of just like... This is pretty much how it's going to play out. I mean, I think it's there. I think that the the middle of the East, like to and by the, by me saying the middle, it's like okay, from like seed six down to seed twelve. I think that those are all within range, and I, I think the Pacers find themselves firmly there. And if that comes to the trade deadline, and we're we're kind of sitting there, like I, I don't I mean Rick Carlisle. I know wants to go and you know probably wants to have success and win. He, you know, he's a new addition there. Uh, the main one, but with you know this year and next year being all that's left for Miles Turner, maybe it's, maybe you flip it at the deadline like you're talking about. Sabonis, we could talk about him too, but he's got a couple of years. So he's got one one year beyond that. But I mean, Batase could be out of here. Like this just this team just seems like it's ripe for a trade. They got a number of just guys that could easily you know money could easily be packaged for something. We just got to see what that something is. And I think they still have a lot of their picks. I don't think they've given away a bunch of their picks. I think they got a decent amount of their picks, which could make them enticing for a trade. So that that's what I'm looking at with them. I mean, I know the big rumor was at first they offered uh, Brogdon in a first for Ben Simmons, but eh, that wasn't doing it for Philly. But I don't know. I just don't know how I feel about it. Like, I watch them and I root for them. I, you guys know how it is with your hometown teams. You, you'll watch them and root for them no matter how frustrating it is. But I just... This is a team that I know will never bottom out. That's just the way the market is. The way the market here is in Indianapolis, we're never going to fully bottom out to get a good draft pick. We're never going to bring in solid free agents. It's only going to be through trade or we get someone in the middle of the draft, late lottery, and that's the way to go, which is kind of just like ends up having the medium results, not too high, not too low, just like an average NBA team, which is what they are right now. Yeah. And, just to update you on the uh, pick situation, they have no outgoing or incoming first-round picks, so it's just all whatever they got. Uh, Second-round picks are coming out pretty neutral. I think they have a couple more outgoing than coming in. But regardless, second-round picks you can always purchase. Never forget that. Ownership can buy a pick. That's fine. It's allowed. Um, I agree. Like If this team was healthy, I, I really am, would be excited about what they can do. Like I think this is one of those teams that just has a bunch of really good dudes. Like they got a bunch of the fourth best guy on championship teams, or maybe third best for a couple of these guys. And unfortunately, that doesn't usually net you to being like in the mix. Like I say, if T.J. Warren and Karras are healthy, I really like this team. I think they got a lot of guys you can create for themselves and also play part of a fluid offensive system. But when you're looking at it. Um, with those guys being a little banged up and Brogdon misses 20 games a year and Demont Sabonis and Turner aren't a perfect fit. Like it's just, it's, it's tough to know how this team's going to play night to night. Not to mention Rick Carlisle, we imagine to be a great coach ad in terms of the system he's going to install. But when, when his Dallas teams were lacking some talent, they didn't always make the playoffs either. So it's like, 
if you're missing a Dirk and you're missing a Luca, maybe maybe Rick Carlisle doesn't have the same like exponential raise. I, I the person I'm curious about this year because of just again the people that are above him that are injured and all that stuff, and also the Carlisle aspect coming in. Carlisle's never really been one to say, all right, let, let's go ahead and and give it to rookies unless unless you're Luka Doncic, right? And so, kind of like, you know, we we think about Tyrell Terry, no minutes, right? Just not getting any time. You think about uh, Josh Green, no minutes, right? So, what are we to make of Chris Duarte? I'm pretty sure Isaiah Jackson's really not getting much run until a trade's made. I think he'll just do some G League stuff. But Duarte, like, as a guy who's pegged to come in and be able to shoot and, and score offensively and, and to be able to defend, I, I, I you could imagine him fitting in with, with, with some of the guys where I think doesn't seem like they really care about Jeremy Lamb anymore. And with Warren and Levert having injury, I don't know. I, I feel like you could he could go in, but I, I just don't really know what to expect with how Carlisle like will, will handle that. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I would love to see Duarte uh, come in is that second unit. Like, I feel like he'll be a perfect fit. And I know in summer league and preseason, but from what I've seen from him so far, like as the competition keeps getting better, he's been showing to be a decent guy. Like I don't expect him to be out there, have an explosive rookie season like a Doncic or anyone like that. But he's a guy right now, from what I've seen, I would love to see him take that spot behind Karis LeVert. And we're going to see how the rotation goes. Cause I, I know Karis LeVert recently, there was an injury report on him that he's going to be out for a little bit. So, I don't know. They're probably going to go with Jeremy Lamb. And it makes sense to bring Duarte as your second guy. But who knows? They might say, like, oh, we're going to put Justin Holiday as the backup two and then keep Torrey Craig as the backup three, do something like that. But I'm hoping Carlisle gives him a chance because I would love to see that. And sometimes I think, I don't know if the Patriots would do this, sometimes I think that they drafted him to replace Malcolm Brogdon because they're going to put Malcolm Brogdon in a trade package. But I don't think I don't, I don't want to go that far. That's just crazy talk on my end. I just think ultimately Chris Duarte is very re- NBA ready. Like he's one of those guys that I, I would I would comp him. It's it's not the exact same, but like when I was thinking about Cam Johnson coming out in the draft, the reason we had him going so late was because he was so old, and that is also what Chris Duarte's situation was. He was so old, but a very like good basketball. Player. Like when I saw Cam Johnson start playing for UNC. I first time I saw him, I didn't remember him playing for Pitt, and I was like, "Oh, who's this guy? He's gonna be great. He's so like he must be like a freshman." And I saw he was old, and I was like, "Well, no wonder he like runs around the court with such like uh, precision and and good footwork because he's old, but he's a good, good player." And it, if you take redraft that draft now, eleventh would be he'd go higher than eleventh based on how careers are going. And I think a similar thing could happen for Chris Duarte, whereas he he probably got drafted a little higher than people were expecting because, you know, ageism is a real thing in the NBA draft. But he's a good basketball player. He's going to be effective. It's just a matter of did he does he ever have that superstar potential? And by the time he would get to it, is he already too old? Yeah, that's probably the case. But I bet this guy makes an all-rookie team first or second. I almost guarantee that. He looks good. I, I view it a lot like Desmond Bade from last year, like that that type of role and fit. It's just going to be like that. That's what that's what I think. I just if he gets the minutes, we'll see. I, I think he will, but hope to see it. Anything else in your Pacers? Is that it? Is that nah, it? let's go ahead and move on to the Chicago Bulls. So with the Chicago Bulls, we got Team Thirty One and Forty One last year, a team that had a lot of different pieces come in. So the over under same as the Pacers, forty two and a half. They keep guys like Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, Patrick Williams, their rookie, Kobe White. But, of course, I think the story for them is the players that they brought in. 
like a DeMar DeRozan, Alonzo Ball, Caruso, Derek Jones Jr. a little bit. Did not know that Stanley Johnson was on this team. So whoever put that there, wow. He's, Thank he's you on for the letting roster me... for now. Yeah, but yeah, and they and they have guys like Tony Bradley, who I have in mind, Alize Johnson, former Pacer, by the way, Javante Green, Marco Simonovich. I don't know if I said that right. Tyler Cook, Matt Thomas. I believe Matt Thomas, former Toronto Raptor. Worked for the Jazz <laughs> last year. Yep. Devin Dotson. And then you guys help me out underneath Kobe Ayo White. Desumo. I don't want to... Ayo Desumo. Played was he for, from University of Illinois? Illinois? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is a team, guys. I'll, I'll go ahead and say my piece with it. I'm, I, I like the addition of Lonzo Ball. I'll tell you this. I do like the addition. I wish the Pelicans would have kept him. Part of me thinks when Lonzo Ball ended up in Chicago, I imagine Zion just in his living room, shaking his head, being like, "What's going on, in New Orleans?" I like the addition of Lonzo Ball. I do like the the addition of Caruso. Caruso's my backup, one of my backup guards. I like him. Decent on-ball defender, good fighting through screens. I like him. But there's some parts of this roster I'm trying to figure out, like with the addition of DeMar DeRozan, it felt like it was like a bringing a name. I'm still curious to see how everything's going to work out defensively for this team. This could be a team that offensively, if everyone's healthy, it's going to have a lot of fun nights, but it's going to feel like it's going to be more of a track meet, just going back and forth, or just we're going to score on you anytime, but you're going to score on us every time, and that's just the way it's going to be. Because looking back up, they don't have much. And I think Patrick Williams... He's going to be out for a little bit to start the season as well. So this is a team that I do like some of. I do definitely like some of the new additions, but defense is still the big worry for this team for me. Uh, I mean, at the end of the day, they're going to play a drop system with Vooch, and at that point, like if you can just get Levine, DeRozan to play aggressively, you can run some people off the line. I think you know Caruso going to be. He's a good on-ball defender. Lonzo Ball is better at like kind of sticking with people off-ball off, on screens. Like, you're right. They don't have these individual defenders that are going to do anything. And, like, come po- if they make the postseason, I agree. Like, they are going to be toasted. Like, they're just going to be run, pick, and roll into oblivion. If they try to switch, they're just going to pick on whoever stinks. And there's plenty of people to pick from. Um, at the end, like, But I think this team is going to have a lot of regular season success this season because they have guys who can straight put, put it on them. And, like, when you're talking about taking some – point guard responsibilities away from Levine, you're not just splitting it to Lonzo, who can kind of get the offense started with bringing it up and getting it to the, the guys. DeMar DeRozan is an, is an incredible passer. While he's not a great three-point shooter, he is a guy who still gets to the rim, gets to the mid-range. He, if you can get Zach Levine moving off ball and like take some of the onus on him where he has to do so much lifting for this team, I think this team's offense could go to another level. I think Zach Levine could go another level. I don't think it would be crazy if uh, by the end of the season we're talking about how Zach Levine has surpassed uh, Bradley Beal as the be- better two guard um, in the in the East, not talking about you know Kyrie or James, I'm just saying like I'm looking at that is like that's not out of the realm of possibilities to me. Some of us have already been on that island. Oh, I know. I, hey, 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 no, you we can't we can't go down that road <laughs> without talking about me because I am oh, the biggest boy. Zach Levine I mean, stand of well, all I time. But well, I, I don't know what be, that comment uh, was. Okay, because if, if I asked. Anyone on ESPN, anyone on TNT broadcast, if they said Bradley Beal or Zach Levine, no one's saying Zach Levine. That's me. That's our pod. <laughs> so, like, we're not, there. We're it's there. not breaking news to our 10 listeners, but it's breaking news to anyone else that would randomly come across <laughs> no, the pod. And, and, I mean, and, and you guys saw uh, Zach Levine's development, and I know you guys couldn't do not really care about the Olympics, but I like what I saw from the Olympics. He's a guy, too, with his athleticism. 
I bet you can he can still find a he could he should be able to give you something on the defensive end with how athletic he is. But he's a torch. He's he's a fireball. So if you get him going, I feel like the Bulls won't have much to worry about. It's just I'm just I but I wouldn't be surprised if this team does end up ahead of the Pacers. I'll tell you that. If this team, because this team has pieces, like if their guys are healthy, part of me thinks that their pieces are better than what the Pacers have to offer. And that's where I'm at right now when I when I look at these two teams, even though Vegas is looking at it like, well, these two teams are pretty much the same. Yeah, I've, I view the Chicago Bulls as I think they'll finish higher than the Pacers just because I think that iner- like inertia by the end of the season, I feel like the Pacers – I don't know. Like again, there's there's moves we had, trades we had there. The Bulls obviously are going to win. There's no circumstance, unless like multiple players are get injured that I mean they can't tank. Their, their first round picks are, are like so like they're going, they're going for it. Whereas the Pacers, I could see situations injury, injury. Okay, well let's pack it in, uh, you know, Toronto Raptors style. So I, I see the Bulls as as finishing better than them. I do have defensive concerns. Like you mentioned, all right, Zach Levine's defense in uh, you know over at the Olympics. Guess what? They were they were they were essentially playing a switching defense, right? And and he seemed to do pretty well there. You look here, and it's like okay, well we got Vooch, and we got to play a little bit more in a drop. And if we don't have Patrick Williams, if if he, I mean, I know he's starting injured, and I think he'll I think he'll be back, not not too late in in you know past the start of the um, offseason, but like. You got to deal with DeRozan. DeRozan's not covering anybody. You got to kind of stash him on force. I, I just, I, I am concerned overall with kind of the types of, I don't know. I, I'm just concerned with with the whole fit and with 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 Vooch in particular with some of these guys. Uh, hey, at least at least you got Caruso, who's basically you know one of the best. You know, maybe maybe Drew Holiday could say, but like one of the best at chasing people around screens. So like that's nice. Lonzo will have a different role, but I just look at this team and I'm a little bit, I mean, I'm a little bit underwhelmed with where I think they eventually end out. I think this team's ceiling is six, six seed, which seems like a little bit of a overpay for me to go in this roster. And what's happening with Kobe White this year? Where where, where does he fit in, in all of this? I, I just, he might be the piece that is swappable for another team that's not as con- like not trying to contend, and then you got another uh, push pr- uh, wing style guy to play some more defense for this team. But yeah, I, I agree. Kobe's in a weird spot with this team because there's a lot of ball handling being done by the three starters who I think will all get staggered here and there: DeRozan, Levine, and Ball. And Kobe White's just a gunner, you know. Like, what's he gonna do if those guys got the ball? I know that they wanted to restock a first round pick. It, which which they did from from Portland in the trade that landed on Derek Jones Jr. But I I feel like I just would have if if we're going all in like this if we're doing that like I would just would have rather had Larry Nance on this team I think that would have been like I would have got a better a better fit and a better swap I know they got that Portland first rounder because they just don't have any because they sent them away but I think I would have preferred that move from the Bulls team if this is the direction that they're going Yeah I think that's I think that's a smart observation there. Richard, to close out the Bulls section. Move on to the Cleveland Cavaliers, a 22-50 and 50 team last year. Over-under this year is set at 27.5 per the Oregon scoreboard. Um, let's run through their players, shall we? We got Darius Garland and Colin Sexton, Sexland as it were in the backcourt. We got Isaac Okoro, Evan Mobley, Jared Allen, I think is going to be the starting lineup for this team. 
interesting starting line, to say the least. I don't know if it's a good, I don't think it's good, but it's interesting. Uh, Ricky Rubio and Kyle Guy as some backup point guard sized people. Denzel Valentine, Dylan Windler for like the two guard spots. C.D. Osmond, Lamar Stevens as, as threes. Larry Marketing going to play some three, but we put him here as a four like he should be. Uh, maybe even play some small ball center would be even better. Dean Wade also makes the list because his name is D. Wade, Dean Wade. And, you know, gets me excited anytime I hear someone say it. And then, and then I'm woefully disappointed thereafter. Uh, Kevin Love got enlisted as a center officially, gentlemen. We got He's a center now. He can't he can't move, so he can't be a power forward. So he's a center now. And then I'm not going to try and say Coppin Gailey's first name. I feel like it would just be offensive. And Taco Fall to round out the roster. This team, I let, let me be clear. I like individuals on this team. Love, love me some Isaac Coro. I like Evan Mobley. I think he's I think he's exciting. Unsure of why the Jared Allen contract, why that bag had to be given um, necessarily. You know, fine, okay. You really want you really wanted to keep him. I'm very confused. As to what in the world is going to happen, though, in the front court, if we've got Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, we. Laurie Markinen now somehow has to fit in here, and we've already got Kevin. What are we doing with Kevin Love? I, I'm very just I'm very confused there. No no idea what's, what's going on there. I did like Ricky Rubio coming over here. I think that Ricky Rubio will be helpful uh, for, like, Evan Mobley is, is, is trying to figure that out. I, I think that'll be an interesting fit there. And I, I, I just, if you suffer an injury to, you know, like Darius Garland or something, you, you've got you got a guy who can who can step up and and, and fit that slot. Don't care for Denzel Valentine. Uh, give give me more Dylan Windler time. But uh, it's just I don't know what to make of the front court, the log jam there, and. Like at this point, no one is taking Kevin Love. Like it's not going to happen. You're going to have to attach serious assets, which you don't want to do. Like, just cut him. Just, just, just wave him. Just do the Blake thing. You know, see which, see if you can get him to, you know, do just give back a little bit of money. Like, you know, a year from now. There's just no reason for him to be on this roster. And I honestly would feel better about uh, their, you know, about them this year if he just wasn't on the roster. I, I'm just concerned. How the, how that's gonna how things are going to go in that locker room? This team stinks. This team stinks in every way, and it makes me sad because I think both Garland and Sex, Sexton uh, have some fun qualities that I'd like to see on other NBA teams. Obviously, Akuro, we know how I felt about him in last year's draft. Still feel that way, and then Mobley, like I'd like to see him develop in a healthy healthy area, and I feel like he's just been dumped on by being a Cleveland Cavalier. I feel like it's a horrible situation for him. If we just pick the five best players and can take off fatigue in the game, I still feel like he'd be in a bad situation. And that's sad. That's a sad situation. And so with that in mind, man, like I have nothing good to say about this team. I've already taken um, bets from the people in the house that the Pistons will be better than the Cavs. Oh, no. Don't do, oh, don't do that. Oh, I, I, it's going to happen, Richard. It's going to happen, no. Richard. No, no, no. I hate Le- that. I, I, know, okay. I know you want the tank, but Richard, the Pistons are better than this team. Uh, I don't necessarily want the tank, and I don't necessarily like. I like my team a lot better. Like, there's not going to be locker room issues on my team where when Colin Sexton, because he's trying to get that bag, and and again, what some of these individuals want is not really what the team wants. Like, I get that, 
But again, there is that um, organizational inertia where at the end, the Cleveland Cavaliers really want to be good this year. They do. They do want to, they, they want to be good. And it doesn't matter the, when you're as bad as they are. I, listen, I don't know. I they got their guy in Evan Mobley. I I I think Ricky Rubio also just brings competence to uh, to the backcourt in, in case of any Darius Garland injury. That worked out so well in Minnesota all these. Years. Um, but he, but like better than, better than having Torian Prince on the roster. So so like. I I look at the Pistons and we'll we'll talk about them eventually, but there's no illusion. Like they they are not under any guys that they're like they know they're not making the play in. Like in order for them to make the play in, Kate Cunningham's going to have to be Luka Doncic year one, and it's I I don't I don't necessarily see that happening. But the Cleveland Cavaliers want to make it. They do. And and so I, I think I, I just think that they'll try to push and you know maybe injuries and it, it, it starts out so badly that that it never gets there. But I think that they really want to. I don't know. I'm done talking about the Cavs. I don't care about them. I don't care about the Pistons either for the most part. But the Pistons are in Pistons are infinitely more interesting than the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm going to edit that out, by the way. You guys should not need to be that loud coming after me like that. Okay. Well, let me, let me just say this. The one, the one interesting thing about the Cleveland Cavaliers is when they go Evan Mobley at the point guard, Jared Allen at the two, Larry Markin at the three, Kevin Love at the four, and Taco Fall at the five. That's the only lineup I'm looking forward to for the Cleveland Cavaliers this year. And if they don't put it out, I'll be sad. Um, they're not putting it out. All right. Detroit Pistons. We waited to get here. It's you know, it, we we knew it was happening. Twenty and fifty-two last year, a beautiful twenty and fifty-two, uh, giving them the correct odds to go ahead and land Cade Cunningham. Twenty-five and a half wins is the over/under. And while I think the Pistons are a better team than last year, the rest of the East's co- you know competence has you know, has risen. Right, we've got competent teams or teams trying to win. There's not other outside of Orlando, there is no team that is that we know of that's actively trying to be bad. I think that the Pistons know where they're at, they recognize where they're at, and they are willing to live with some of the lumps that come along with a young team, right? They're, the Pistons are probably going to lead the league or be right up there in turnovers. It's going to happen. You're going to have Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, the ball in their hands, and they're going to you know, be allowed to, to do that, take those mistakes. Sadiq Bey is also in there. Not doesn't always take phenomenal care of the ball. Uh, you know, we I, I think that's number that number is going to be high. The one thing that they are going to be good at, at least with the starting lineup, Killian Hayes, Kate Cunningham, Sadiq Bey, Jeremy Grant, and Isaiah Stewart. That's what I think is going to happen. Man, those guys are going to defend, and it's going to be just real fun. It's going to be a super fun defense. For those of you who like that, and we Detroit, we like we love defense. So, shout shout out shout out there, Corey Joseph, you know, doing doing his thing, coming off the bench, being being the vet uh, to kind of help everyone out. Hamidou Diallo, we got him. Josh Jackson, kind of a, a duplicate there. 
Trey Lyles, unfortunately, is is going to get some minutes. No one in Detroit's happy about that. Apparently, one of, back in the day, there's film of him saying bad things about Detroit, and so we all, all Pistons fans hate him. So he's going to have to come out and like I don't know, shove Joel Embiid or something before for us to bring him in and welcome him in. Um, Kelly Olynyk, we love Kelly Olynyk here in Detroit, and we also love Luca Garza. It may, it may not totally make sense and be warranted, but we love them. And so uh, we're excited about the Pistons, but if Piston fans are reasonable with you, they'll say, you know what, we just want it to be a little bit fun, but we're okay. We're okay getting top five pick again. <sighs> oh, my goodness. You know, I think this team is going to be fun to watch. Like, I'd, I would rather watch the Pistons than watch the Cavaliers. You guys actually have some fun players. You guys definitely have some guys. Kay Cunningham, I, lo- I already love, like, the news coming out. Oh, Kay Cunningham tweaked his ankle. Precautions, he's out. He's done with practice. I know he's <laughs> taking all the precautions. But I, one thing, Richard, I'm really curious, because I feel like it wasn't fair for killing Hayes last year. I believe there was a hip injury for him, and, I mean, it sucked. But I feel like this is a guy who can be – a solid, just a solid backcourt guy. I feel like he doesn't really have the spotlight on him. I feel like that's all mainly going to go towards Cade. And I feel like for him, this is like a nice opportunity to ease his way back in to this. But I know for you as a Pistons fan, though, you're looking at like, well, okay, we spent a top 10 pick on this guy. So he better he better show us something at this point. But I, I do think defensively he's going to be all right. But I'm curious to see what development – he's going to show this year. Well, I, I'm concerned a little bit because, yeah, while you say the shine's going to be on Cade Cunningham, I think some of that attention will go to Killian Hayes because one of the things that, especially in the national media, they really enjoy is they want heliocentric Cade Cunningham basketball. That's what they want. And when the season starts, and it's not that all the time, people are going to say, well, you know, start focusing in on the negative aspects of Killian Hayes, which at the moment are his uh, ability to space the floor. And he's going to have some turnovers. He's going to make some really nice passes, but people aren't going to really pay attention to that. They're really not going to pay attention to the defense because no one watches defense. Uh, no one pay, No one really cares. Uh, and, you know, maybe, maybe I was a little bit too kind to Piston fans because you, you're right. When it was like, okay, Cunningham, tweaked his ankle, Piston fans were losing it on, on, on Twitter. So maybe I was a little bit too generous with them. I I do worry about the outside noise there. I am not concerned long term that you know about about anything there because I think hey guess what if Killian Hayes is not good enough to fit with Kate Cunningham, then he's not good enough and and it's just okay moves to the bench. I'm not concerned about it, but I think that they're really gonna try it, and if it leads to losses this year. You know, as long as the Pistons are competitive, I don't think the, the Pistons front office, I don't think Troy Weaver's all, all that sad. You know what's going to happen with this Pistons team? They're going to win a lot more games than you think because they got some dudes. They got the dudes. Isaiah Stewart, a dude. Jeremy Grant, a dude. Cade Cunningham, a dude. Sadiq Bay, a dude. Those guys are going to make you win games. They're going to be kind of like the Oklahoma City Thunder in some ways. Whereas once they're in the game, they might just mess around and win. But they're going to get blown out a lot when certain guys like Killian Hayes or Saban Lee or Hamadou Diallo get a little bit too handsy with the keys. 
and they start doing dumb things, yes, they were going to lose those games. They're going to probably be some fun highlights. They're going to lose those games. But when they're close, I trust Jeremy Grant and Caden Sadiq to get a good shot almost every possession. Josh Jackson going to be leading the tank commander. He'll be leading some some comebacks, ridiculous, but he's also going to lose some games for us because that's just what Josh Jackson does. But, again, this team's going to lose games because guess who's going to get minutes? Luca Garza. Like, he's going to get minutes, and that's going to hurt your defense. As like, you need to realize that the Pistons are unafraid, are going to be unafraid to play their young guys even if there are, like, some struggles. Obviously, they'll live with it. Dwayne Casey is going to try to handle it, but, like, it's not like they're shipping Luca Garza to the G League all year long. When Isaiah Livers is healthy up to play, he's going to get some minutes. And rookies, generally speaking, are not ones that are bringing positive value. And so, like, I, I just think that there's enough of those guys that are going to get minutes that it's going to lead to an accumulation of losses. Uh, and it's okay. It's okay because guess guess what? The majority of your cap space right now is it dead money, not being utilized. And you have a lot of it next year. And so... I, I think that the play has always been we're going to take our step forward, go toward the play-in, and, 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 and be on the upward trajectory a year from now. And so that's what I think is happening. Well, I'm just going to say, I don't know if I've ever said this before, just because I don't recall. But Killian Hayes reminds me of Andre Miller. But Andre Miller probably would have had a hard time being an NBA star, like as good as he was in his day, in this day and age, because... He's kind of thick and not very fast. So, I don't know. Am I the only one who thought Andre Miller was French, too? I didn't. But I did think he is one of the – he had – he's one of the best alley-oop throwers in NBA history, though. He's a very good passer. One of the worst – one of the best players to be the horrible 2K player. But, at the same time, I believe he also dropped the 50-piece at one point. I want to check that out. All right. And I think that wraps up our Central Division – Preview. Outlook. 